Welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Speaking of twos, this was a uh, two goals scored heavy match day with most score lines mm. involving the number two. And speaking of sevens, seventh in the table is Brentford Football Club, who spanked Oscars uh, West Ham today. I am me. Blake Munchell. I am joined by the recently spanked Oscar Saywell. Mm. Oscar, just, how are disgruntled, you? Disgruntled Oscar Saywell. Um, I'm, I'm fine. I, I had a, a, a nice weekend, um, saw some friends, and I got injera today. Not in Jera, I mean, that's part of the meal. I got Ethiopian food with Jenny today from Karen in uh, Adams Morgan, which is super, super good. Um, so go and eat it if you can. Um, how are you, Blake, before I start? If we're talking about foods we ate, I had mm. Afghani food today um, Ooh, at my one nice. in uh, Colombia, which it's mm. very nice. There's a bunch of, it's a little bit like, um, sardis where it's this right. big chain but not every restaurant is the same and they don't have like the same menu at each one what's it called so maywan it's m-a-i-w-a-n-d um maywan it is huh. very good i've heard of it before i will have to check this, this one out. was a little bit more you know like carry out um mm. but yeah we did that very too. good cool wow that's um, great reviews i'm definitely gonna check this out um before we hop into things, I just wanted to touch on something that's I just need to get it out there. Um, so over the past couple of days, it came out that, and I touched on this briefly with you, Blake, in a text when we were texting each other, that five of the England players in the World Cup qualifying uh, squad are unvaccinated. And so um, us doing the pod, uh, like about 20 minutes ago, I was like, oh yeah, like five England players are vaccinated. And I, I went to check the um, England squad um, because I didn't really know who had been called up. And I just like looking through it, England have done, the FA and England have done such a good PR job on us that I'm looking through all these players and I'm just thinking like, who are these players that are refusing to get the vaccine? They've done such a good job of spinning them as these like, decent and also like intelligent people and i think i think that's mainly coming from like just the the really prominent like pro black lives matter like stuff and the anti-racism stuff and the like lgbtq plus stuff that they've done but i mean i i was like oh man i've been duped because i was looking through those players i was thinking like i can't imagine like wh who who are these guys are like doing this so the reports come out that five are unvaccinated and the source says that one of them, his mentality is that he's too fit and young. But the other, like, but there's another one who's full blown, like, COVID doesn't exist kind of thing. So I'm just like, oh my God, like, I really want to know who it is. And it's, it's been bothering me. And we're never going to, well, we probably will know eventually, but that'll be years down the line, I'm assuming. Or, or uh, until they're not allowed to play. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of wanted to play the game like, who do you think isn't vaccinated? But I feel like that's super inappropriate. So, well, who knows? Uh, I'll start with a, a question about something that's always confused me. When a player is recalled from the England squad, does that mean he is removed from it? Or he is, like, called once again up to the England squad? What do you mean? Oh, it means, it means called, like, Watkins? Are you talking about Watkins? Uh, yeah, I was yeah, gonna so say. Yeah, so no, it just means recall. Just recalled. means like 
it means like they're just called up again like after a period okay. of being out yeah does it mean something so, different here it's one of those things it's like uh bi-weekly you know where it can mean every two oh, yeah. weeks or it can mean twice a week because yeah. recalled could mean no yeah in in this know, case it's just he's once again you're called, called called back yeah but okay so yeah so I was wondering, I saw, I just saw a tweet that said he had been recalled. And I was like, does that mean he's removed from the England squad? No, no, no. no, um, no. Got it. Um, okay, yeah. No, I have no idea. You know much more about like the personalities and everything of the England squad. Um, right, I right. understandably do not really follow. I just know which one of them uh, have been sneaking girls into their hotels uh, to break covid protocols true you could be uh phil foden yeah and mason, mason greenwood. greenwood is he there has he been called up i have no idea i don't think once so. again no, i didn't I, n- I knew nothing about the england squad um, jack Grealish, maybe you know he's kind of an asshole yeah um no i know i'm so i want to know so bad the only one that we know i mean Fabian Delph, like he's just didn't even try. He like put on yeah. Instagram that he doesn't believe and like etc. Um, but like that's so far the only one. And I'm gonna keep like talking about this. I feel like week on week because I don't think I still don't think enough people are talking about this. Like, this is a huge problem. Like the Athletic did this huge piece on it, but all the like m- m- sort of m- m- kind of mainstream podcast. You know, I listen to the Guardian and listen to like the BBC and I listen to. The ringer and all this kind of stuff and no one's really talking about it and i think we're we're hurtling toward like a real like dilemma um and you know jürgen klopp came out and said 99 he was like 99 percent of my players are vaccinated but like i know that the rest of the prem is at like a 50 percent vaccine rate and this makes sense because i mean klopp's like mother died of covid so i'm sure like liverpool and him especially have been pushing it but I'm just like, man, like, oh, Angolo Conte, he he apparently is getting re- is refusing to get the vaccine. Um, I just I'm kind of fascinated by this. I'm sorry, I've gone on way too long already. But um, yeah, watch this space, I guess. Yeah. Um. Man, people are just throwing out names uh, on Twitter. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like random names. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, the first kind of like anti-vaxxer covid story came out about newcastle players oh really but i'm wondering is it like well i mean you know about this but are the numbers of covid deniers at newcastle that made headlines is that relatively more or less than this you know two-thirds of uh english players not being vaccinated like Am I supposed to feel better about Newcastle's low vaccination rate? Or are they like bad even for the Premier League? I don't know. I I just, the report is that across, the report is that 50% of Premier League players aren't vaccinated. That's, That's the report. So we don't know the rates at each club. It'll vary drastically by club. Like if club... I mean, I guess Klopp wouldn't. I don't know. I, don't, I guess he wouldn't lie. Like, and he says like almost all of his players are vaccinated. So that means that like that means that there's got to be clubs out there where like nobody is vaccinated. Burnley. I'm looking at you. Um, Sean Dyche is 100 percent like definitely an anti-vaxxer. There's no way. 
So I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And you were saying over text, uh, I mean, bloody hell, I mean, Newcastle have had like two or three cases of really, really bad COVID now, right? So if anyone should be doing it, it's like, I think, didn't Carl Darlow come out and say like, this is serious? Like, and I'm sure he's right. And he's like vaccinated now, I think. Didn't he talk about it a bit? So, so I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. So Carl Darlow was hospitalized for COVID. Um, so I'm I'm fairly certain he has been vaccinated now. I think he wasn't, and now he yeah he is. wasn't. But didn't he get um, COVID before he was eligible to get vaccinated? Unsure. I think he, I think it was uh, something like that. And then Saint Maximin and uh, yeah. Jamal Cells had long term COVID yeah. back in like in February. Yeah, yeah, February of 2020 to like July of 2020. Um, they were still struggling to get fit. And then um, Isaac Hayden was also hospitalized for COVID. Ooh, seriously, um, man. And also, seriously. so today, a, um, an NHL player, the National Hockey League here in the U.S., um, one of the players had to retire because he had COVID. And because of COVID, he developed uh, oh, myo- myocardiopathy. Myocardiopathy. Oh, oh right. The, the hole in your heart thing. Um, that's so insane. yeah, pretty, uh, pretty serious. Crazy. Um, okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Very, okay. Yeah. From okay. a very down note to another very down note. Um, oh, yes. Oscar, you've jinxed us. You said okay. last week that you thought we both do a pretty good job. Uh, we did terribly. Predicting. We? Yes. We both missed <laughs> all three. All three. Uh, that's yeah, bad. Zero points this week, um, so the differential is still three. Um, but uh, we'll see if our, uh, you know, these three that we make will uh, do a little bit better. But before that, yeah. we need to talk it's about some, uh, some recaps. Some good stuff this weekend. No, okay, absolutely not. Absolutely were... not on our part. Yeah, terrible. Um, but, you know, some a, a Premier League classic. I would say, in City Liverpool. But where should we start? Do you want to start uh, with you? Well, I know. Uh, no. So let's um, first, uh, Man U, Everton, 1-1. Yeah. Uh, Andros Townsend with the Ronaldo celebration. I love it. Epic. He meant it as a tribute, but yeah, it comes off. Yeah, with Ronaldo. It comes off as like such great banter. Yeah, um, every single player is going to do this now. That like. Against I hope so. Play you. And um, yeah, hilarious. I mean, it yeah. made me like, I was like, oh, it's like less cool because he loves Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's just like anyone who loves Cristiano Ronaldo is either like seven or an idiot. So, you know, is it is what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, he's started like super, super well for Everton. He's got five goals. Uh, he, in his post-match interview, is like, look, I know that I've never been a prolific goal scorer. I really want to get double figures in the Premier League this season. He's well on course to do that. And it was once again, like, he, he scored a good goal, but it was Damari Gray with the, putting the work in to set it up. And I'm just like, I don't know. I put my foot in my mouth when I was like, these, these were just what the hell were Everton doing with these signings? I mean, they've been astonishing. So astonishing no that's hyperbolic but they've been really good i mean they've been everton standout players along with like abdelaide decore so yeah kind of cool and it's always hilarious to see i mean my god did you see twitter after this match they are just going mental and i like Gunnar, like it's just like what 
we had that whole discussion like a, a few months ago or whatever about Manu and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this is just how it's going to be. We're just like, oh my God, it's so exhausting. Like being a Manu fan must be so tiring. Yeah. Um, also, so the season started with Man U thrashing Leeds 5-1 um, and then uh, drawing with Southampton and then beating Wolves and then on match day four, they went, uh, or Newcastle came to Old Trafford. Um, and at the time, every Newcastle fan wrote the match off. They're like, Man U is way too good. There's no chance we ever get any points. And Manchester United thrashed Newcastle. Mm. Since that point, Manchester United have been nowhere near as good as they were. Um, so, like, it started off from a Newcastle perspective that, you know, playing Man U was going to be this horror show. And then it looked like after the match that that was true. But no, it's actually just like Newcastle and Leeds are just very bad teams. Um, And that is seen as Man U whimper to a 1-1 draw with Everton. Mm. Um, Moving on, Chelsea-Southampton, our first match to talk about. this one just makes me a little bit sad. Uh, I don't know why you've requested to talk about it. Uh, which one, sorry? You cut out. Chelsea Southampton. Oh, Chelsea Southampton. Um, I didn't necessarily want to talk about it in like in depth. Um, but I I don't know. I just think it it's Chelsea are an interesting po- uh, podcast, interesting crossroads right now. Um, with it's all been like so rosy for. Thomas Tuchel, but we know that this is a man who falls out with everyone at both of the, or all three of the clubs he's been at before, Mainz, Dortmund, and PSG. So when things don't go so well, he he's like has a touch of the Mourinho about him, where he like goes after players, and he um, fights with the ownership, and just doesn't care about, you know, fighting back at the fans. So I think that with the, the Juventus loss, um, and the City loss, uh, it was like this was really needed, this this Chelsea match, this Southampton match to, to bounce back. Um, and he rotated heavily. That's something that I found interesting as well. Um, so Trevor Chalaber played in the midfield. He got his goal. Um, another header uh, to, 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 to put Chelsea 1-0 up um, relatively early on. But, you know, he was playing like Loftus-Cheek, who got an assist. He played Ben Chilwell, who gave away a pen, but also got a goal right at the end. Um, and, and I just thought that, you know, uh, the way that he, the way that Tuchel was sort of calling out Romelu Lukaku of all people and, and his defenders for not trying hard enough in the, in the Juventus match, uh, I thought it was, yeah, it was, it was balanced kind of, kind of finely. And, um, that's really all I wanted to to say about it. I can go more into the like nature of the goals and et cetera. And team of again, like getting an offside goal, but finally getting an actual goal um, to, to seal it for them or no, sorry to put them in, in the lead late on. Um, but yeah, that's all I really wanted to say. Yeah. Um, I, the Lukaku did score in this goal. It's just called offsides. Um, it was a strange offsides, I think, because he's like standing uh, back to goal, and essentially like his ass is over the line. Like yeah. that's that's what was offsides, and I don't think you can really score with that. So 
I think it's kind of a harsh offsides decision. Um, but, you know, like, I suppose by the letter of the law, it's offsides. Um, just, I feel like they've not been so strict calling things like that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, Stanford Bridge was rocking the celebrations after Timo Werner's goal. It was like shaking the camera. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. I was like, oh, oof, it hurt. Oof. I mean, yeah. The thing is, is like I think Chelsea fans should like him because he's such a bullish player that you know they got to appreciate what they get, which is just this like ridiculous work rate. He has no ego on him, um, Timo Werner. He'll just do anything, which some sometimes makes him look kind of like brainless. But he's dangerous for sure, especially with Lukaku. Um, but anyway, yeah. we can move on. Um, oh. Uh, Oh, oh, you know what? We we um disagreed a bit on that um uh, James Ward Prowse red. So I uh didn't see it. I watched like the extended highlights of this match. Um I didn't see it live, but you made it sound so bad and I was like he wasn't you know, he he cleaned out Jorginho. Um but w- when you look at the replay, he's not he's looking at the ball. So it's like it's not a good challenge by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like it's not. I don't know. You made it sound like he, he, he was. It was like, I don't know, karate kicked him or something. I, I kind of disagree. Also, yeah, I mean, I've backed off my stance just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen it. They like interrupted the Newcastle broadcast. They're like, "This is what's happened oh, in the really? Chelsea Southampton match." That's um, so bizarre. And just the the one angle, it looks like he just went straight in on the uh, Jorginho's front leg, the the one that's bent with and planted. Um, and it looked, and I, I suppose fifty percent of why this was bad at all was because the conditions were chaotic. Um, the rain was right. like really coming down. And there's so much sitting water on the pitch. Um, and uh, so, you know, it, it's not as bad as I once thought it was. I think it'll be like a, a two-match suspension or a one-match well, suspension. It's automatic three-match. It's automatic But three appeal, match. it always gets appealed. Right, right. The, uh, those don't mean anything. When, when every single red card can be appealed and the sentence reduced, then, like, none of that matters at all. Um, but, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out Mendy. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, uh, like normal football doesn't have hospital passes like American football has, but that's pretty much as close as you can get to a hospital pass. Oh wait, um, I disagree with that. You can have, of course, you can have hospital passes in football. What are you talking about? Constant hospital. Can... A hospital pass is when when a defender. It's like a, a you know a short pass to a goalie or like uh, a pass a, to a, to another defender across the across the uh, the pitch. Hospital passes all the time in football. I think maybe we a slight difference in the definition of a hospital pass. A hospital oh, pass where you are trying to play the ball into a tight window, and as a result, the receiver who's just expecting to receive the pass and that's it. They're assuming. You know, like 
Mendy is such a good or a good enough distributor that you're expecting, oh, I'm getting the ball from him. That means I have like time to turn, um, you know, like speaking by passes. Um, and as a result, instead, the defender just comes and clean wipes you out. Um, right. In, a, in American football, Tom Brady made a career off of hospital balls, just like killing his wide receivers over the, over the middle. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, different but, uh, Anyway, yeah. Um, last thoughts on this, and then we can move on. Because we both hate Chelsea. All right, empty. move on. Den, done. What's next? I don't really want to, but it was happening at the same time, and it's the one mm. that I watched. Here we go. Um, it is uh, Wolves 2, Newcastle 1. And I think the... I really don't need to say anything about how this match occurred because we've seen this match like a hundred times by Newcastle. Um, Each goal conceded by Newcastle was one, they were near identical. Uh, You sit off the Wolves midfield, give them their time to pick out a pass. Um, They pass to Jimenez. You give Jimenez some time, let him pick out his pass. Uh, Slides it into Huang Hee Chan, um, who uh, just easily slots away. Uh, three shots yeah. on target, two goals, near identical. Um, it's sad. I like Huang Hee Chan, but watching uh, him be yeah. so happy about scoring against you kind of hurts. It's kind of rough. Yep. Uh, the one at the time equalizer from Jeff Hendrick came from. Uh, ASM out dribbling four or five Wolves defenders playing in Joe Linton um, who has every right to go for the, the ball um, gets the ball and it knocks it into Saw or Shaw uh, Shaw it is Jose Shaw no. Jose Shaw yeah Jose Shaw, yeah, Jose Shaw. Portuguese weird Portuguese? language yeah they do um, pronounce things rather strangely anyway um, they would collide. Uh, Shaw would stay down. Um, I think it was like a bad Wolves clearance that would make it to Hendrick. Um, Hendrick smashes it in from outside the box, uh, but almost hits Jose Shaw as he comes across. Um, it, uh, Wolves fans online were livid uh, because they thought Jose saw Shaw stayed down. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, feigned injury, which I think is pretty clear. Um, he's like not in any pain as he's up and running. And then as soon as the goal goes in, he goes back down and pretends to be injured. Um, supposedly, this isn't the first time this has happened to Wolves. Um, but uh, that's kind of it. Newcastle didn't do anything. Wolves had a master plan to take care of any threat Newcastle had uh, by literally marking. Alan St. Maximin with five or six players um, and just not allowing him to turn, not allowing him to run, uh, just bodying him out of the play and nothing Newcastle did made them change their attack. Every single time they got the ball, it was play it back to the center backs, have the center backs hoof it at ASM and try to get him, I don't know, to play hold up striker. It just doesn't right. make any sense. No, of course it doesn't. 
no. After the match, which I think is a lot more, I guess, interesting to talk about, even though it's the same thing that happens every week. Um, Bruce says the same thing he says every week. He says, if we took our chances, we would win. You like the Premier League, if you don't take your chances, you're going to lose. We had two shots on target. One goal. So that means there was only one shot on target that was missed, and that was the ASM miss. Um, if First of all, Steve Bruce, if every team scored every shot on target, the scoreline on every match day would be, you know, you're 5-2, Second, how many teams across not just the top, like the big five divisions, but, you know, the top three divisions in every country in Europe, how many teams miss one shot on goal and then the manager comes out afterwards and blames that player and says that he should finish it? If... Right. This thing, if this is happening one match, then sure. You know, if this happens one time, sure, that's ASM's issue. We won't talk about why ASM is playing striker uh, and, you know, you're trying to have a uh, left winger have a 100% conversion rate. But if this happens 97 matches in a row, it might be the manager's fault. Just like soft tissue Maybe. injuries. Yeah. You know? If you have one match with a bunch of soft tissue injuries, that's unlucky. If over three years, every single week, you're missing multiple players on soft tissue injuries, it's a problem with the way that you're training and playing and everything. Um, and it's like that with everything. It's everything is, oh, you know, we were we played really well, unlucky, we need to take our chances. Um but it just isn't true. I sent you a text message. I just our absolutely insane lineup. I need to try to find it because it was pretty bad. Hmm. Um, we are playing a right winger at left back, a right winger at right wing back, a defensive midfielder at center back, a left winger at center mid, a right midfielder at center mid, a left winger at striker, and a striker at left winger. That was our lineup, and I just, after this match, Lee Charnley came out and backed Steve Bruce again, saying they don't have plans to uh, change ownership, which, it's just a nightmare situation to be a Newcastle supporter right now, so. Yeah, it is a sad, sad time, and I don't know when the week the pod is going to come where I don't say, I'm sorry, Blake. Uh, let's move on away from sadness and Newcastle onto um, the next fixture. Where do you want to go next? Uh, just to go over scorelines: Burnley zero, Narch mm. zero. Yep. Uh, yep. Leeds one, Watford zero, which saw which the sacking. Cisco the sack, yes. Which is insane. I wish, you know, I think overall, if the Pazos were in control of Newcastle, that would be a bundle of chaos that uh, would have us in League One. But <laughs> yeah. I, mad respect for their willingness to sack managers. Um, just like that one season where they had like four managers over the course of two months. Um, also, Brighton zero, Arsenal zero. Um, and then a match we can talk about. Uh, 
Tottenham Hotspur, Aston Villa. Yes. Um, yeah, this was a... I don't know how to describe this other than kind of a, a restoring of calm. Not calm, no. A restoring of something for, for Spurs um, at home to Villa. Um, they won 2-1 um, in front of their home fans, in front of a raucous, um, what do they even call it now, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, which is, like, I heard that it's been, like, specially designed to, like, create a cauldron of sound or something. You know how that stadium is, like, insane. Um, apparently, it does something where it, like, makes the atmosphere um, really, really electric, which even from the highlights you could get. Um, and, yeah, after... Um, I don't actually know what the scoreline was midweek in the Europa Conference League, but I know Harry Kane scored a hat-trick. They thrashed some random team. Muna. Muna or Muller? Or... I have no idea, honestly. Um, but yeah, they, they, they came into this one really needing something to reverse this like narrative after that um, loss to, to Arsenal um, last week. And then, you know, they go ahead and win this, and you look at the table, and it's what? They're like... What are they like? Two two points off, like the top two or three or something. You know, it's not that bad. But anyway, um, to open the scoring, uh, after what was a, like Spurs dominating, um, in a pretty high tempo start. Sorry, high tempo start. I thought, um, Hoybier rolled one in from, I think it was just inside the eighteen yard box. Um, it was a really well taken goal actually. It was sort of one of those where, you know how players, kind of just size up the situation with like three or four defenders in front of them plus the goalie and they find a, a space a gap and they just kind of roll the ball in um quite slowly from quite far out it's it quite nice to see um and um i thought in that sort of opening half where spurs were dominating i thought emerson royale at right back looked really good um and he's super young too i think he'll turn into a good player unless tottenham ruins him which is very very possible. Um, he replaced obviously Serge Aurier and now is now sort of like basting with Chaff Jaffet Tenganga for that starting um, spot. Matt Doherty seems to be completely out of the picture. I don't know. That move to Spurs is terrible for him. Um, Serge Aurier, who he replaced, is apparently going to Villarreal, um, which is kind of cool. Villarreal making a, a cool team out there in Spain. Um, I thought, I have in my notes here, Harry Kane just taking random shots from anywhere trying to get a goal. He, we know he notoriously starts really, really badly in the Premier League. Um, I'm really curious to see if it will be any different this year just because of all the speculation and surrounding blah, 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 etc. I, like, on current form, it's like, why didn't they sell him? Um, have Son, who just signed a new contract, who is showing that loyalty, go at striker. He's an excellent striker. Take that, like, step up, take that, Mantle as the as the as the leader of the the team, um, alongside like Hugo Lloris, and yeah, I just don't understand the decision. Anyway, Harry Kane was poor in this game. Um, I noted a super fun flying like clearance from Ollie, Ollie Skip to prevent a Villa shot from five yards out when they were one 0 up. Um, I have in my notes Skip good question mark maybe uh kind of a utility player I think nothing more um. It's. I think he's more palatable when uh, Tongi Ndombele is in front of him, uh, as he's like alongside Hoybier, um, because it, it he, Ndombele provides that sort of like electricity that and that driving sort of like dribbling ability that gets the fans like going. 
skipped as the the dirty work essentially um I thought the for the equalizer there was a great link up between uh, Matt Target and Ollie Watkins. Um, Matt Target from the left flank called a grass cutter like cross from um, and from the left and um, the movement from Watkins I thought was really good. Um, he darted in to smash it home from from a yard out, and then to win it, Son Heung-min completely destroyed Courtney Hawes. I don't know if you saw this, but it was like embarrassing. Um, he made yeah. him look like a statue. Uh, even though Hawes was running what looked like as fast as he can. Um, he just kind of sold him and breezed past him with the skill, smashed one across the face, and um, and it was bundled home by like a Villa player, I think, eventually. It was like ruled as an own goal. Matt Target. Matt Target, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, Tottenham take the, the 2-1 victory, and and it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, seven games in. I think they got, what, 17 points or something like that, and it's like they're right up there, and... You know, they could click into gear and, and keep going. More likely, they'll just be eighth, basically. But yeah, that was Spurs yeah. Villa, as I said. Uh, I would say the scoreline slightly favored Villa. Um, I think mm. Spurs were sort of unlucky at the very end not to add a third. Yeah. Uh, there I suppose was a much better cleared. than yeah. yeah, there's a shot cleared off the line uh, by Tyrone Mings. Um, but I think that does Tyrone Mings a little bit of a favor because uh, it was more of a bad shot by Lo Celso. But uh, overall, I would say Spurs were had the upper hand pretty much the entire match. Um, right. And uh, you noted that Kane was poor. However, very early on, I agree that he was poor, but uh, very early on, uh, Tangi... Undambele was pulled down by a Villa player and the ref very smartly played advantage which was cool because you like never see that but it was like a, a full-on American football tackle um, and uh, Kane shot from you know 55 yards out um, and Emmy Martinez had a very smart save uh, where he's yeah. diving backwards and claws it uh, it was although he was off his line for no reason. Way, uh, way, 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 way off his in line. In the first place, so. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I think that was a very good match, but of the final four matches we were going to talk about, I think that was the worst one. So it's only up from here. Wonderful, wonderful. Although not up Don't, for oh, no. you. Here we go. Down the irons. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, can I talk about us now? Can I get it over? Yeah. So look, uh, West Ham fell to a sad 95th minute 2-1 loss against Brentford. Um, newly promoted, super exciting Brentford. Um, and props to them because they were really, really good. I think we, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make an excuse. We looked leggy. Um, we rotated a little bit. But, you know, the likes of Jared Bowen and who actually looks really good today, to be fair. But but the squad itself, I think, is a bit fatigued. Lots of traveling um, in recent or over the past month and and just lots of games. And this was always going to happen. Um, I We weren't terrible. And there was points of the match where I was like, you know, I'm calm. Like we we just have a great team. And even when that 95th minute Visa goal went in, I wasn't as devastated as i would have been a couple of years ago because i i know that this does not spell knock on wood 
relegation for us you know this is not something that will put us in such a rut that we spiral down to the 17th 18th and below spots um but it did mean that brentford uh jumped past us i think they're a point ahead of us now same amount of games played which is great for them um i will recap the match and then give my thoughts on some shithousery from brentford that really annoyed me but anyway um i thought Lucas Fabianski uh, was actually really good in this match. Um, he made Agree. yeah a lot of smart saves, um, including uh, for including uh, for the opener where he it went over the line technically, but uh, Mbwemo, it I can't remember who shot first, but he parried it, and then Canos. Was, oh Canos, yeah Canos shot um, from. Just inside the 18-yard box on a break, uh, which was the story of the match, just like both teams like breaking against each other, kind of shot and he parried it out. And then like, even though he's like 37 years old, managed to get up and dove across across the goal to um, stop Embuemo's, um shot from, from going into the net. It crossed the line eventually. Um, but it was like a, would have been a godly save from him. I It got me up out of my seat. That's how good it was. All right. Um, Time out. What? Are you reading my notes? I literally have in my notes near godly save from Fabs on Mbemo. I am not reading your notes, no. It's I'm not reading your notes. Amazing that we really? use the same word. Yeah. I mean, it was I don't amazing. Know. That's a pretty it was. I mean, I would describe that as a like god like a near godly save. Like that's a that's a great that's a great save. Come but on. that's the no. word you chose. The same word I used. Near godly? I don't yeah. think this is as crazy as you. All right. Um, really? I thought it was a phenomenal save. And I, yeah. at no point did I see any angle that convinced me that ball is over the line. Oh, no, I did. I did. No, the, the ball was over I the line. I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I just no, didn't no, see an angle. I saw, I saw like the first angle that whatever stream I was playing, I was like, yeah, that's over the line. Um, which was, it was a shame, but, but we didn't start well. We, they, I mean, they, for like from the first, like, I think it was the third minute they had a, a shot, um, from Embuemo that went off the bar and I was like, ugh, like, this is kind of rough. Um, and it wasn't even that we were, honestly, you know what? It wasn't even that we were playing badly. I think Brentford are just really good. Like, you know, like they just, they played really well. They, they have a great balance and. Pontus Janssen kept Antonio quiet. Um, but okay, okay. I'll get into this after. So anyway, Bowen equalized for us, which is it's like his eighth match in like what feels like 12 days. I don't think he's... He's like played every single minute or something um, so far. Um, he did like a maze little dribble from, from the right and then sort of slipped past a couple players and... Um, Oh no, it was like on the half volley and um, that was before and then he passed it off to someone and it was chipped back in and then cleared and then he put it in on the half volley. Um, And it was a really good strike because it was like this weird acute angle and he managed to put it, I think it was like, okay, this sounds really harsh, but it was kind of fluky because there's no way he like was so pinpoint accurate that he managed to put it in that postage stamp area at the bottom his right hand corner of the goal um but yeah i mean there was like raya had no hope of saving it It was a great goal um rapturous celebrations from the west ham fans um and then 
And then and then we were on top for the rest of the match, I thought, to be fair, um, apart from a, a few breaks from, from Brentford where they always look dangerous in the attack. Um, cut. Zuma had a bunch of chances in the air. That man can jump, by the way. Um, and, and you know, we had a, a couple of shots here and there from, like, Saeed Benrama and Pablo Fornells. And then, just as I was kind of, like, winding down and not trying not to pay too much attention because I was, didn't want to be nervous, um, Visser pops up. And I think this is what the second game in a row where he's he's come on and and uh, and scored late to 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 win it. Um, this was really at the death, and he sort of hammered it in from just outside the eighteen. And it, and he yeah, he was very happy, and I was upset. I immediately turned it off. But anyway, okay, I've been rambling, and what ah. I do want to say, unless you want to interject right now. No. Okay. Uh, is, yeah. No. Okay. Is that I was really annoyed at the ref in this game. I don't think he was. I. I think this was not good refereeing. He was protecting the Brentford. This sounds so biased, but I don't care. He was protecting the Brentford players. He. I mean, who was it? I can't remember his name. He had Zanka on his back. Johansson. He had like five challenges that should have been yellows. That guy should have been sent off. You know, he was letting the Brentford players flop around. Um. I thought it was ridiculous. And then also Antonio had a really bad game. And his, like, Antonio can't, I mean, he's been our, you know, ever since I criticized him on this pod or kind of criticized him on this pod, he's been excellent. And so it's like, you've rightly made fun of me for it. But, you know, this is the kind of match where you look at Antonio and you're like, this is, this is why, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is his inconsistency. This is where he... He can't, like, he has no touch. Like, he is selfish. He puts his head down. He he takes shots for no, like, when he should be passing. You know, nothing is working kind of thing. Which is totally fine because players can't be perfect all the time. And, and he's, like, excellent. But I think people are so high on Mikel Antonio now that I saw after the match that people were like, oh, yeah, like, Mikel Antonio and the pundits themselves were like, he's so great. And I was like, no, he's terrible in this match. Like, call it how it is. He was really, really bad. Um... And lastly, I just think Moyes probably should have rotated sooner, and he didn't. Um, but that's that's not going to change. And um, that's me done. I don't even know how long that was. That could have been so long. My bad. It was about a minute. Wasn't okay. too bad. Um, I have uh, just a few comments about this match overall. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, first, uh, do you know the referee's name? No, I don't. What is his name? Um, I wonder if it was the same, <laughs> the same uh, referee as Newcastle Watford, who I knew that was his first match in the Premier League um, as a referee. And he had a oh, the uh, the horrid, Australian horrid, guy. Horrid yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Was it him? Um, I'm googling it now. That would make it a phenomenally awful first two matches in charge. Um, I would say this match started out very chaotic for West Ham, um, or for, I suppose for both sides. Um, it felt very back and forth. Um, I thought it started with uh, Mikhail Antonio throwing his weight around quite well. Um, I think he nowhere near close enough to goal, but um, you know around midfield. He was doing a good job making some space for himself just by pushing players off the ball. Um, 
I thought Fabianski had a excellent match. Um, he had a great one-on-one save with Ivan Tony. Um, he had what I thought was a saved shot at the time on Mbemo. Um, plus, yeah, like that's pretty much that on that Cano shot. That's where you have to put that save. Um, like yeah. unless you're gonna catch it, uh, is the only better option. Um, yes, he could have pushed it out physic- further. Could have pushed it out further. I suppose, um, but ideally you oh, yeah, have no, you know, a, a defender there on the back end to clean yeah, up on your push. Yeah, but sure, um, sure. then yeah, we were uh, at sea defensively. We weren't. They were they were destroying us with the, with their breaks. It was pretty interesting to see. Even though I I didn't think that our centre backs even had a particularly bad game, like bad games. I the pundits were criticizing Kurt Zuma a lot for like classic things where like he's such a beast but he's stupid like classic just like like just low-key racist stuff um but yeah sorry i interjected but it was it was like yeah. just very good attacking play from uh, brentford i thought yeah regarding the bowen goal um yeah i have in my notes that there was literally a gap the width of the ball and yeah it was crazy that was the only space available and it just shot right in and then yeah. on the game winner um I suppose if you turned it off right afterwards, then you did not see Ogbonna's challenge on Yoan Vissa. Oh, um, bad. He basically like tried to torpedo his body. At, like he like ran, got a running start, and then did like a drop kick and tried to fly at Yoan Vissa with his like legs out. Um, just as like a way to get his foot in front of the ball as quickly as possible. But he, you know, he missed the ball, and luckily he also missed Visa because if he made contact, uh, that would have been pretty reckless. Um, but uh, the scenes in the uh, Brentford section, uh, they were going mad, um, and there was a much like you turning off the game um, in a form of protest after it went in. Uh, the West Ham fans like fled to the exits um that stadium was emptying while the celebration was still going on um so a good match if you're not a west ham fan Um, i think that's a good way to sum it up and it was good to see the the west ham crowd up for it um and we go again you know i think maybe i don't know i don't want to sound apathetic and maybe it's just because like i'm i don't know i is different now and I'm, I'm i'm busy and like there's just more like important things than west ham losing on the weekend but i think it's really like frankly that west ham losing on the weekend doesn't mean like doom like it just means like okay we go again like we have a good team like we'll be stable like kind of thing and again knock on wood but that's how i hope it it uh continues anyway yeah there's like this weird uh uh-huh. round in the premier league where losing is not uh, the end of the world where you know, like West Ham now, um, yeah, Leicester, we're there, right? Like, um, Villa, you know, yeah. Wolves. They, they, if you lose a match, it's not the end of the world. At the top of the table, if you lose a match, you know, it's when man, the you world. lose, they're yeah, fire, blah blah blah, fire everyone out, everyone out. At the bottom of the table, it's like, oh shit, that that match might have been the match that seals our relegation, like. 
yeah. we we, exactly. we could have gotten something that would have pulled us out of the relegation right. spot. But there's a, a very slim section of the table where losing, you're like, eh, yeah, it's all right. It's like that solidly, yeah. solidly mid-table, where even if you lose, you'll still be mid-table. Um, moving and, um, on. Sorry, and uh, the ref okay. is Peter Banks, so not the Australian guy, but he was, was not go. good. So anyway, moving on, go. Uh, Crystal Palace, Leicester City, which was a fucking belter. What a match. Uh, absolutely, you know, super entertaining as a neutral. I'm sure if you were a... Both if you were a Palace fan or if you were a Leicester fan, this would be a, a hard one to watch. Um, although, obviously, a little easier for Palace. Uh, wholeheartedly, the first half completely dominated by palace um yeah. uh the joaquin anderson the kid um no idea what he's doing uh just gets his pocket picked um Iheanacho goes through scores um super against the run of play this is after like Seven shots on target by Crystal Palace. I want to see the stats. Um, wow, Palace only ended with four. But, uh, you know, like seven great chances by Palace. Chances you thought they could have scored. And then, you know, they get caught napping once and Leicester go up the other end and score. And then immediately after that, uh, Jamie Vardy would score and double the lead. Uh, sort of doubling the intensely undeserved uh like a uh, scoreline for this match which at that point i was like oh i you know this is football like, this is what happens right um like it doesn't matter if you play really well um as steve bruce has taught us if you don't take your chances you know someone will punish you uh however that was most certainly not true. Um, in the 61st minute, Michael Elisa um, would get two bites of the cherry. Uh, it, the ball was squared back to him. He scuffs his first shot and then, you know, volleys his own shot um, into the net. Doesn't celebrate at all. First goal in the Premier League, no, no. celebration. Go grab the ball, get back. Which I wonder okay. if that is like, does that say something about? Uh, you know, this Palace squad and Vieira and, you know, they... No nonsense. They they knew that they didn't deserve to be 2-0 behind. Um, yeah, maybe. And so, you know, maybe. fighting for the manager. Um, but uh, yeah. then, not too long afterwards, nine minutes later, um, that man, Jeffrey Schlupp, uh, would score against his old club um, and... Uh, it's what it capped off about like three minutes of just every palace player throwing themselves into challenges and like launching themselves for headers and um it was uh you know the the celebration after that one was uh much better than michael yeah. Lee says um well sure and then near the very end uh palace almost win it jeffrey schlupp on the corner uh would head it uh, just wide Benteke was there at the back post but you know it, it's ridiculous to expect someone to react that quickly um, but they were so close to pulling off the upset at home in front of the palace supporters 
Um, yeah, great match. Yeah, super good match. And Vardy, uh, good cold scoring record this season so far. Like year on year, he's written off. Um, year on year, he keeps scoring. So good. Yeah, great match. But, um, and I'm going to, I'm speeding up a little bit here. For our final one, right? I think it is the Sissy Liverpool match, which I think can only be described. This is hyperbolic, but I don't care. As a Premier League classic, um, it was unlike like any of the other games that we've seen in this like matchup in the Prem for years. Like since like you know the Sadio Mane like Kung Fu kicks Edison like thing. You know back in like seventeen eighteen or whatever it was. Um, it was super high tempo, not like the other games of this fixture, I thought. Um, it had everything. It had the the drama, the great goals, the like Klopp getting a, sorry, uh, Guardiola getting a yellow and like fighting with the Liverpool fans and all of that kind of stuff. Um, the goal scoring, it was at Anfield, so the scoring was opened by a Salamane combo. So Mohamed Salah slid um, Mane through on, the, on, a, on a break um, and he just sort of outrun the the city defenders um, and put one in from, you know, just like, uh, okay, no, this is important for me to describe because this is a point I'm going to make later. So he went on the, the, his right, you know, he was out on the right in the 18 yard box and put it across goal to nestle in the bottom left corner or kind of the bottom left corner um, as Edison was kind of far out of his goal, trying to block it. Um, I noted that I thought that, um, I don't know, like Mane, he wheeled off to celebrate, but then immediately turned around and was like, ah, like Mo, like, you know, you're great kind of thing. And because of all the like, you know, stuff about Mane and Salah, like not liking each other, etc. I always look at them and I swear recently, I swear this season, like they... They celebrate with each other. It looks, it seems different. I feel like in my narrative, in my head, the, the issues or whatever, they've been like resolved. Um, they celebrate like easily with each other now. They give each other credit. I think they're trying to find each other more, which is good to see because it means that, you know, we get to see better attacking football from Liverpool. Um, and then we had um, Phil Foden uh, equalizing. He also took the ball out wide, this time on the left. And angled a shot across the goal into the side netting. This one was a really good goal. Um, he did that sort of like thing where he he drew the defenders, but then like outpaced them and just took the goalie out of the equation. Essentially, it was it was really really good. But it was overshadowed by Mohamed Salah's goal, which is one of the best I've seen in the Premier League, possibly. Um, he gets he he receives the ball on the right-hand side of the pitch um, and sort of does that kind of... I'm trying to think of a player that does this, like kind of like maybe like Neymar-esque where he, he stops, he, he, he like slows right down and then he goes. So he, he starts, he faces up def a defender, rolls the ball to take that defender out and then faints inside and then chops past, I think it's Imeric Laporte, dribbles a little bit more, and then again on the acute angle, like slots it right past um, Edison. Obviously, I'm doing a terrible job of describing it. You have to go and check it out because it's a wonderful goal. Um, this was after like James Milner probably should have got a second yellow and Klopp has got a yellow for fighting with the fans and getting super angry at the ref. And it's all like at a boiling point. So it was like a the moment of it, the occasion of it made it um, an even better goal than it was technically. 
And then uh, De Bruyne spoiled the party in the 81st minute, only about five, six, seven minutes after um, Salah scored the goal. Uh, he shot from just outside the 18-yard box. I think it uh, had a substantial deflection off Joel Matip. Yes. But, you know, um, puts it past um, Allison in goal. And it was a 2-2. Um, I didn't watch it, unfortunately, but I mean, what a game. It looked like I can't believe I missed it. Um, I just wanted to see that three of the four goals were from really acute angles. And I'm like, is that world-class players or goalie errors or both? Like, I don't... I always find those goals kind of funny because I think they're really, really hard to execute. But um, I wasn't particularly impressed by Edison and Allison, who who were two of the best goalies in in the world um, in this match. But yeah, electric, as always, at Anfield. And finally, um, after like four or five years, a good game between these two sides, between these two heavyweights. Yes, although I will say... One on the solid goal, you said he dropped the defender. Uh, the, that defender was Bernardo Silva. Um, at the very end, it was Laporte, no? At the end, it was. But at the first one, the one he actually like dropped was onto Nardo. his backside, was Bernardo Silva. All right, never mind. Um, Not a defender. Second, Although, he has been very, very good this season, Bernardo Silva. Sorry, keep going. The best moment of this match wasn't a goal at all. It was the very, very end of the match. Um, where the ball drops to Fabinho in the box. Fabinho takes his sweet time, for sure. Uh, has an open goal. I think uh, Aderson came for the, the ball, missed it, drops to Fabinho. Fabinho's about to, to tuck it in, and uh, Ruben Diaz, like full stretch, oh, yeah. uh, pushes it behind the goal. Uh, great so defending. Good. Yeah, um, he's so good. Um, yeah, just... all this match was yeah, missing yeah. was... a a winner in the 93rd minute and it probably would have been remembered forever One of the best ever yeah like the yeah uh, yeah um one last thing i saw i logged onto twitter real quick and jack Grealish is being like dragged through the mud um for for his performance i guess people are just like clowning him for being a 100 million pound player and not doing anything which I was is, gonna I, say, don't I don't i didn't, uh, I didn't yeah. even notice him I yeah, I, he didn't really do much. I would say that I think that okay, A as always not his fault he's 100 million pounds. B um he hasn't played in high profile games like this, right? So it's going to take him a while. I mean, yes, he's been to Anfield. Has he been to Anfield with this atmosphere or this high stakes of game? No. So I mean, I think it's going to take him a while to grow into the stature of a of a player who plays these super important matches, these big because obviously we have to remember in the in our um euros run he was barely like that you know he didn't play in the in the important occasions so i think that people are just being way too quick to to judge him he's gonna he's gonna bet in and, and then he's gonna be fantastic not least because pep guardiola is his manager but yeah i saw that and just once again was disappointed in football fans in general um not that i particularly care about jack Grealish. anyway i think that wraps up our our wrap-ups, our reflections on the match day just gone. Shall we move onward? Yes. First things first, we need to make some predictions, Let's and they need it. to be better than they were yes. last week. Oscar, yeah. call your three shots. Wait, did you say, uh, first of all, did you say who's, what happened? You mentioned it at the start. We, none, oh, did. yeah, no, wait, no one got anything. So well, what is it? I'm plus three? Yes. 
Sounds good. Okay, I've gone Southampton 2, Leeds 2. Brentford 1, Chelsea 1. And as I'm looking at that, I'm thinking you're insane, Oscar. But I've gone for it. Why not? And then also equally insane, Arsenal 4, Palace 1. I think Arsenal might destroy Palace for some reason. I don't know why. I just think Palace aren't very good defensively right now. Blake, what do you have? Yeah, Arsenal undefeated in four, I suppose. Um, I guess. I am taking... I saw what you were sniffing, and I said I'll take two. Mm. Uh, Watford won, Liverpool won. Mm. I think new okay. manager at home. Claudio Ranieri. Yeah, the Tinker Man himself. Um, I also have West Ham three, Everton one, West Ham There's, uh, bouncing yeah. back. I would say there's absolutely no way this happens in a million years, but I like it. Uh, and then I decided I don't pick enough draws, so I'm going Leicester 2, Manchester United yeah. 2. I really like this prediction. And I think, uh, what if Oli gets sacked this season? Because, I mean, if they keep dropping points, Leicester have been poor this season too, like really bad. Um, so if they take points off Man U, even though, despite the fact they're at home, I think, yeah, that's... Bad, bad news for Oli. Okay, good predictions. Let's hope that someone gets something. All right. Is it Blake's questions time? Tell me it is. Yes, it, it is. What is the um, theme? Very close to your heart. <gasps> this is the Don't West Ham United theme. Yes. Um, okay, I got to get like all five then, man. I would, okay. knowing you, I believe you can get all five. Oh. It's just something... It's something that, you know, you, you are this way. You know, things you love, you know everything about them. Mm. Um, I think that would be accurate. Okay, no pressure, no pressure. My first of all is the ex-Wonder Kid. Um, this oh, can I say guy... something? Can I say something real quick? Yes. Um, seeing as this is West Ham edition, can I shout out who I think it is, like, before you even say the name? Like, oh, can I, sure. If I can get it off. Okay, go. Okay. He started his career at Caribe Junior Okay, before moving to no Emelec, which is a hint. Nothing. If you know where Emelec is, Emelec. then you know who this player is. Nope. He then nothing. went to Pachuca, where he okay. had a one-to-one games-to-goals ratio, and that got him purchased by West Ham. United. I know who this is. I know the who. Right. I know. There you go. You want to guess it? It's Anna Valencia. There you and go. He is killing it at Fenerbahce right now. He's doing so yep. well at Fenerbahce. That yeah. is why I brought him up. He. I uh, love this man. He's so good. Yeah, he's very good. But what was your opinion of him while at West Ham? We so West. Ham, he's a cult hero at West Ham. We loved him. Um, he was in a West Ham era where we were battling relegation pretty much season on season. And then we had that like pie, like, yay, like we are insane season. Um, but at, at that point he was kind of out of the team because he was seen as one of those players where it's like, okay, you're not that good. Um, he never had a prolific goal scoring record for us, but physically super gifted, um, seemed like a great guy. And he, you know what? Okay. I don't, to be honest, he wasn't the like, I didn't ever see anything that was like tactically super smart from him, but also we had like 
Slav and Milic and Sam Allardyce as our players, as our managers when he was there. Um, he got something like, I don't know, 12, 13 goals for us in three, three-ish years, 60 appearances kind of thing. Um, but yeah, cult hero. And then he went to Everton on loan. And then he went to Tigres, I think, where he was like, okay, it's Tigres. He like played every game and he was like pretty good for them. And then he went to Fenerbahce back to Europe and he's been like super good for them. It's like one and two or something. Um, but yeah, no, love him. And also yeah, his record great. for Ecuador is insane. It's like one and two as well. So, Yes, and on top of everything else, he is also only 31. Yeah, so. I know. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I love him. We, he, much loved at West Ham. Much loved at West Ham. All right. Let's see. Okay, We're talking about see. love one and West Ham. Uh-huh. Let's see how much you know. Uh, you, of course, are very familiar with the song, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. Oh, yes. Love that song. Which other clubs lay claim oh, yes. to that song? I know this. It's the hated, scummy, scummy, scummy Millwall. Scum of the earth. And yes. somewhat bizarrely, the Swans. It's Swansea, right? Millwall and Swansea. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they both occasionally will play it, but... Yeah, you know. rarely. It's our song. Let's, let's be honest. It, it is our song. Um, and it is the best song in the Premier League, in my opinion. Two for two. No, two Blade in Races. No. Um, forever blowing bubbles. Okay. Okay. This one, I actually don't think you'll get five for five. I think you'll miss this one. Okay. Damn it. Uh, what was the original club crest back when they were still called Thames Ironworks FC? I know this. I, okay. I know this because of the club's website. And there's like a like little get to know us section kind of thing. And because we've done the anniversary kits with the Thames Ironwork stuff, they had like that blurb. It's the Union Jack, right? Yeah. Because we are pa- we are pa- we are patriots at West Ham. Don't don't you forget it. Yeah, the Union Jack. Um, yeah, Thames Ironworks FC anniversary edition stuff. That's the only reason I know it. So I guess a little bit of a cheat there. Okay, um, hit me. What's the next one? Three for three. Okay. The pressure is mounting. It is, um, damn. In the 1990s, part okay. of the West Ham crest was removed. What part was removed and why, supposedly? Oh. um, It's never been confirmed. No, no, no. So this but... is like the trivia rumor. It, like, It's something to do with um the uh okay i have disneyland like the castle it's something to do with both like the so it's the bowling ground and the 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 slant like the roof was removed because people said that it looks like disneyland's like what's it called like that castle that like magic thing that they do and they're like it looks like that and so they're like we can't you know we're not fairies like we don't like fairy Disneyland magic, so they were like they removed it, and that's why it looks like what it does now. Something like that, anyway. 
I think. Yep. Don't want to be associated with fairies, but also blow bubbles before every foam match. Um, yes. Yeah. I just realized correct. that I like Loki dropped like a homophobic like thing there, and that's absolutely not what I meant. Just for the record. Um, yes. You meant okay. literal. Literal yeah, fairies from Disneyland. Yeah. Not a slur for gay men. Okay. But um, four for four. Do of... I get that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, come on, Oscar. Get this uh, this is not a question. This is just a fun fact I just figured out. But okay. supposedly, how do you pronounce it? Bolin? Bolin Castle? Bolin. Bolin Castle? Or Berlin. Yeah, but Bolin. So, you know, named after Anne Bolin, Anne Boleyn. right? Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn. Supposedly, yeah. her name used to be spelled B-U-L-L-E-N. But she had it changed oh, to sound yeah. less like a commoner. Berlin. Oh, really? Yeah. So it should be like Bolin. Oh, like Bolin. The, yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's like it's with the umlaut. So it's like a Bolin kind of thing. But everyone says like the Berlin ground. Yeah, the Berlin. Um, yeah. And then my final question for you. It's another. This be about the supposed. Like, uh huh. Thing. Um, this is probably the most disputed one. Uh, but why does West Ham play in Claret and Blue? Um, because it was the color of the old, the, the, uh, the, comp- the Ironworks company, right? Yeah, but why does, why does the Ironworks company... Well, I guess, so they had that color. That's a theory, I suppose. But like, why specifically those kits with that pattern? Why is that... The kit. Oh, is this the the villa thing? Yeah, it's something like um, I hate the story because it's like because Villa always is like we're such an old like established club and it's just I don't like it. But apparently it's like uh, it's like a a villa kit got mixed in in the wash like after some like game or something and and so then it changed the color of all the other kits and a. And like the manager or some player liked it. It was like we should be claret and blue. And like that's that's the story, I think. Yeah, I you know, I'll give you the point because okay. you know, it's a, a rumor and there's like a thousand five different stories. Um Yeah. But what, there's what, something what's the one you had? So there was an Aston Villa player and yeah. a Thames Ironworks coach, and the coach was refereeing a race between the villa player and a bunch of sprinters right and afterwards you know this was like the you know 1901 so right you know you just threw your kit at whatever poor person was standing near you and said like wash this um and so a a villa kit got mixed in with the just the generic clothes um and some people say that the coach liked it and stole it um, oh, okay. Uh, and then others are like the Villa player, like gifted it as like a sign of gratitude, and oh. I don't know. But I'll give you your five for five. I think it's more Yay. than fair. Um, Let's go. Yeah, lots of history about. Uh, yeah, we do have a lot of history. To be fair, we do have a lot of history. I'm proud of myself. That's um, it's big from me. It's big from me. Yeah, you never disappoint on the questions. You tend Thank to you. do quite well. Thank you. Thank um, you. What a pod. Yeah. This is great. Thank you, Blake. Of course. Yeah, talking of uh, 
things going well. well. Crazy. Yeah, good on yeah. timing. Craig was normal. Yeah. Uh, you got all your trivia questions. I did. Wow. Good. Uh, all good. Yeah. All right. Oh wait, uh, international said, break oh. this week, man. Oh. I just realized. Stupid Awful. international break. Well, we'll see. Maybe it'll be a uh, a, a a break depending on how busy we both are. Um, maybe not. Maybe we'll come up with something. But regardless, we'll be back soon, everyone. And thank you for listening. And Blake, take it away. Uh, review, email. Review. Yes, email. Twitter. Twitter. Uh, that's it. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay masked. Yeah. Don't, don't be, be stupid. like the, yeah, don't don't be be like like the English, English players. Team. Yeah. Hey. Do your research. All right. Blake, it's been a pleasure. Farewell. I'm standing. <laughs>